Oncology Systems Limited are the leading provider of radiotherapy ancillary equipment in the UK and Ireland. Serving the community for over 22 years, we pride ourselves on exceptional service and quality products. Please take a moment to visit our website www.osl.uk.com and take a look at our product lines, which include macromedics for patient immobilisation and IB dosimetry for all your radiotherapy quality assurance needs. We are more than happy to take your questions, so please do get in touch via our website or email inquiry at osl.uk.com and one of our specialist team will be available to assist you. Good morning and welcome to Rad Chat. My name's Joe McNamara and I'm joined by fellow host Naomi Jogger Anderson. Morning. So here we are at day two of UKIO 2022 and we have our first guest of the day, Danny. Dan, Dan do you want to tell us who you are, what you do? Good morning, yeah, my name's uh, Danny Hutton and I'm the, the programme manager for the Northwest Radiotherapy Operational Delivery Network. And so by background, diagnostic, therapeutic? Yeah, a very proud therapeutic radiographer. Always use my plecta title, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't dare in my presence use anything but. Um, so your title sounds extremely fancy. What is it that you actually do? Yeah, so the, the operational delivery networks were formed by NHS England. So the radiotherapy one was formed in 2019. So the, in the Northwest, it comprises all the radiotherapy providers. So there's three in the Northwest, the Christie, Clatterbridge, and Lancashire Teaching Hospitals. And I guess in a nutshell, my role is to support those providers to, to deliver the radiotherapy service specification. So we look at things like uh, standardization, reducing variation, improving access uh, for patients, things like clinical trials and SABRE. So yeah, it's a really interesting role. It's, it's great to work across, across the Northwest with colleagues. It sounds like a lot. So just kind of saying yeah. improving service and then listing all those things is, is a big role. How yeah. do you manage actually even starting looking at projects like that? Yeah, we sort of, when, we, when I first started, which was sort of almost two years ago, two years in September, we reviewed ourselves against the radiotherapy service specification, looked at where some of the gaps were, where we weren't fully compliant, so that's start to form our, our work plan. Uh, I guess it is a big a big role, but we, we, uh, we break it down bit by bit. So we looked at sort of fragile services, so where perhaps there was only one clinical oncologist in post, we knew that that was a, a, an issue, or where there's real, really low numbers, so rare cancers. So we looked at how we could uh, get resilience across the, the patch, that was one thing. Uh, we looked at rolling out Sabre, improving Sabre. So by December this year, we'll have an additional 12 Sabre services in the Northwest, which is fantastic. Because obviously one of the principles of what we do is we try and deliver care close to home where we can. Uh, more the specialised services, we appreciate it has to be more regionally. Uh, yeah, and then there's other things like prehab, rehab we're looking at, which I'm working with, with you, Joe, which is brilliant. Uh, patient experience, so that's what's being torn out at UKO today. We're doing a Northwest patient experience survey. And then we're looking to act nationally later in the year. So I'll be contacting radiotherapy service managers because we really want the patient voice to come out strong in our work plan. It's quite interesting with the Sabre stuff. So some of the stats from Radiotherapy UK are things like less than 50% of centres in the UK. I mean, they might be commissioned to use it for one site, but actually there's so many other sites it could be used for. So it's quite great to see that it's being progressed because in other regions it's just not. I know there's many people I work with who don't know what an ODN is. How do you increase the visibility of what ODNs do across the country? I know you're in the yeah. Northwest, but... Yeah, I think uh, 
it's it's something in the northwest as well. It's some some uh, feedback, and I've had when I've reflected. I think the people I work with in the ODN uh, in across the northwest know what the ODN is, but then actually it's interesting that some people still don't know what it is, even though I feel like we've been doing some really good work. So a couple of things we're doing is we're going to try and get more into the department more regularly. I think that's been slowed down. The plans I had were slowed down because of COVID. That feels like a bit of an excuse now because we are getting back to some level of normality. So I want to get out in front of people. It's coming to things like this. It's speaking on, on RagChat. Uh, we are putting newsletters out, so they're probably going to be quarterly, just to promote what the radiotherapy, the radiotherapy OZN are doing. But yeah, there's no, uh, there's no substitute for just getting out and talking to people, really. Yeah. You know, getting around departments. It was interesting, actually, because some of the conversations I've had um, with people who have diverse roles, maybe outside of the radiotherapy department, um, it's interesting that within maybe leadership or management, there's really good knowledge of what the expectation is that people expect from that role. And yet, from people maybe working every day with patients in and out of the room, they, they don't have access or visibility of people that are maybe making quite fundamental changes to yeah. their delivery. Um, and some of the work you do is absolutely phenomenal. Like, I'm a huge fan of yours anyway, but the ODM <laughs> network, I think, yeah. is phenomenal at being able to standardise care. Yeah. Um, and I think that's definitely something that's missing from radiotherapy, as as you would imagine, because of the geographical remoteness of, of radiotherapy yeah. services. From your perspective, how much of your role is actually just finding out data you know what the issues are because you mentioned about patient survey and things like that but I always think with some of these roles you have an idea of what the issue is but actually finding the raw data or the, or the fundamental um, yeah. issues is actually really difficult yeah I think I, I think the way I work so people talk about being like data driven I think I like to be more data informed so you need yeah. to, to find the data and you need to be comfortable, I guess, with getting impartial or incomplete data or messy data that probably doesn't tell you the full story. So then sense checking that with clinical colleagues, saying, does this look and feel right to you? So we use things like, obviously, the radiotherapy data set. Yeah. That's getting updated. Uh, and we're going to be getting reporters over the end, which is going to be really valuable to our three providers, but a, a, a Northwest report as well. Uh, we, we, we check with people. So, for example, the clinical protocols with standardised 18 clinical protocols in the Northwest. Now, that's sort of was harder than it sounds, sort of getting the right teams, we're getting the clinical oncologists, the radiographers, physicists around the table and saying, you know, we're doing three different things here. I don't think we can all be right. Let's have a chat about it. Uh, so that was really good. And then things like the rate of data will then tell us, are we working that fractionation? So we altered against RCR guidelines, fractionation, and we we're pretty compliant, but some of them people were doing things a bit outside that. Yeah. So we had to sort of gently challenge that and say, well, why are you doing it? Is there a good reason? Uh, and then we check that. So now we've got those standardised protocols. We check that against the radiotherapy data set. Uh, Prono is going to be important. So Prono's come in. That will allow us to look at the quality of radiotherapy treatment plans against the green metrics. So again, regardless of which centre the patient goes to, are they getting the same high quality treatment plan against the same metrics? We'll, we'll know that now very quickly. We won't have to go look at half that data. What happens if they're not? <laughs> That's a good question, Ian. Yeah. <laughs> the old end's a funny role. I sort of. Uh, We've got no sort of real authority or power. We're very much just an, uh, a you know a supporting organisation. So we sit in the, with the three and providers, but people are quite open. We you know we challenge them and sort of uh, yeah, it's more of a friendly, collaborative place. We've got no sort of real teeth. If you like to, to do anything, 
uh, that would be the uh, regional specialised commissioners in NHS England. I suppose you're providing the evidence, aren't you? Yeah. You're saying, well, this is the facts. You, know, you need to try and improve care. Because obviously, we all want the same thing for patients. But yeah, it's good to see with the ODN, as Joe said, standardising care. So I think it's what we need. Everywhere does something slightly different. Yeah. In terms of measuring impact, so this is something that you will know more, that it was basically your headache in life. Um, do you think that there's an emphasis in radiotherapy specifically where people can start projects and we know that they've had an impact, but it's measuring the impact. What, what can people do on the ground when they're implementing maybe some small changes to practice to help measure impact? Yeah, I think sort of you've got to start with the end in mind. I think it's always useful to uh, you know have what are those measures going to be uh, to start with. I think we're sometimes a little bit afraid to get going with projects because we think how are we going to measure the impact. Yeah. So I think if we can, if we make the, the impact, you know, big enough so you can see and feel it. <laughs> uh, but having sort sort of soft measures as well. So as I've said, you know, patient experience, good staff satisfaction survey. So is it better for them? Uh, you know, any efficiencies? So timing. Uh, you've got to be aware of unintended consequences if you if you're sort of pushing something through, you're not you're not impacting something else. Uh, yeah, but I guess sort of some of the projects we're doing, like for example the prehab rehab, I think that's a nice example because one of the things we do is we try and get sort of more junior colleagues involved, and that helps with with uh, promoting the ODM, but also gets people into research and service improvement. So for that, we just set ourselves some targets about how many practitioners are we going to get to do the healing and health module, how many practitioners are we going to get on the wonderful uh, MSC. It's an um, amazing MSC <laughs> It is, module. I've heard. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard about it. So, so they're the numbers, but I guess the real test for me will be in the coming months as a service, are we referring patients yeah. into those uh, prehab rehab services? And that's the ultimate thing. It's got to be like that. Does it have a patient impact yeah. at the end? And from your perspective, being in the ODN, What's been your professional journey like? You know, what, what do you get out of it? Uh, I love it. I sort of, I think my real passion and interest is sort of looking at how we might think, do things a little bit differently, uh, improving services. I, I get a real buzz out of doing projects. Uh, I'm like a dog with a bone. Once I start one, you know, <laughs> you know, I see it through. Yeah. <laughs> Even sometimes when it might it might be a lost cause. Yeah. But even that, I always think though, even if something doesn't work out or you prove that it doesn't work, that in itself is a learning yeah. opportunity, isn't it? Because then people don't repeat the same mistake because you've publicly said, this is what I did, it yeah. didn't work. <laughs> um, we, we published some work once on, uh, and some of the team were a bit reluctant to do it, we, we looked at some uh, bladder and rectal volumes and uh, the data was, was not good. <laughs> it, it, it didn't perhaps show what we thought and hoped yeah so some of the team are a bit looking to publish it and I mean we, we publish it even if just save someone else yeah, yeah making our mistakes yeah absolutely and in terms of um people maybe thinking actually I've got an idea is this something I can do working with the ODN what, what should people do again touching me I think I'm always looking for uh, people to get involved as I said sort of we've probably done we've done a number of projects last year but we, we did four where we got junior colleagues involved we're now uh, I've put out on Twitter, we're looking for colleagues to get involved in the second phase of the prehab rehab. We're going to have a, a, a working group in the northwest. Uh, but yeah, if anyone's got any ideas, get in touch. I think what we like to do as well is sort of, we've got a real untapped resource, so people are doing projects or people are doing MSCs or uh, like our trainee clinical scientists. There's some real energy and enthusiasm, let's get that together so we can uh, you know, do projects together. And everyone wins really, so I get what I need from the ODN. 
they get support and, and time and hopefully can deliver, deliver some good projects for, for patient benefit, benefit or service improvements. Did much change during COVID? So as I know you said 2019 it started to probably just so while you gather momentum mm. the pandemic hit, did you find things were a lot different? Yeah, I started in September 20, so I started uh, during the pandemic. I think the focus then, we had sort of regular weekly COVID meetings. Uh, I was sort of really honest with people. I said, I've got things to deliver, so I'm going to crack on. I appreciate everyone's got service pressures, but I'm going to, I'm mindful of that, but I'm going to carry on doing things. But you you shout up if if we're going too fast or you haven't got the time. So, you know, I am a project manager, so I, didn't, I did it impose, not impose, but I give people timelines, but they were always negotiable during COVID. I think now we're getting into a, don't say business as usual, because we're, we're never business as usual in the ODM, but more of a, we can put more of a focus on the ODM. It feels like we are recovering from COVID. But I guess during, we just sort of, uh, we, we did a lot of stuff looking at uh, reducing vaccinations. So Sabre obviously helped, but then other things like uh, reduced vaccination for breast and prostate. And then we've kept some of them. We actually said the evidence is good. We've done it during COVID, but actually the evidence is good to, to carry on doing this. Amazing. Well, we know we've got you for a full episode <laughs> coming up. Um, so if you've kind of been interested by Danny's story, then please do keep an eye on the episodes being published. And uh, thank you so much.